you, Doug, and thank you, church. I was telling my family before the service started, I said, you know, in the first two services, I couldn't help but sing, but, but then there was a point in the, in the message where my, my voice, as I'm still recovering from, from being sick uh, a couple weeks ago, where my voice was, was cracking, and I, so I said, so I, I just can't sing, and, and then we got to all, all I have is Christ, and I just can't help but, 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 but belt that out with you as a congregation, and I hope that uh, you uh, pay attention to those words that it's so powerful as we are reminded of all we have is Christ and all we need uh, is Christ. So uh, open your Bibles with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 5. We'll begin reading there in a few moments. Several months ago, I uh, was reading a blog that spoke about spiritual maturity, and in it they did a survey of, of people who identified themselves as spiritually mature uh, Christians. Yet many of them were not actively pursuing Christ in their lives. They weren't doing, the, in the same survey, they indicated that they weren't doing the spiritual disciplines that maybe you and I might associate with spiritual maturity of, of, of reading God's Word and praying and being actively involved in the, the local church. The survey's logical conclusion was that perhaps the respondents had a wrong understanding of what spiritual maturity in Christ is. Or perhaps they were simply just being disobedient. But what they also put out there is that it's possible that these people may be mature in real life as a person, but that they're not actually believers at all. And this saddened me, and I decided to uh, try to include somehow uh, in my study on discipleship something about spiritual maturity, because certainly discipleship at its most basic level must pursue spiritual maturity. And so that led me to our passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 5, where we'll begin reading in verse 11. And it says, About this we have much to say. And it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the, their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, and of, instructions, and, of, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, and the resurrections of the dead, and eternal judgment. For this we will do if God permits. Our first point this morning is understanding Hebrews and, and the fact that Jesus is greater. Our entire passage this morning is affected by the theme of Hebrews. It's always important when we're studying a book of the Bible to, to understand the main point of any passage that we're looking at. And it's very helpful for us to understand the, the greater theme of the book in which you are studying as well, so that you can understand the specific passage that you are looking at. Otherwise, it's very easy for us to begin misapplying the meanings of specific verses. And while there might oftentimes be secondary applications in texts of Scripture, when we understand the, the meaning of a passage, we, we have to always be trying to understand it in light of what the author was trying to tell and communicate to that audience in the context 
of the entire book. And, and that's drawn out by studying the passage in the whole book itself. In fact, that's why many times as we're preaching through sermon series and even in our small groups and Sunday school classes, we, we stress the importance of studying books of the Bible so that we're, we're understanding those things in their context. And it's helping us to, to uh, understand these things. So when it comes to the book of Hebrews, John MacArthur points out that the central theme and message of the book of Hebrews is the superiority of the New Testament or the New Covenant compared to the Old Covenant. That's kind of an overarching understanding of what the whole entire book of Hebrews is about. That is Christianity versus Judaism. For those who who had grown up in in the Jewish faith as compared to the, the New Covenant and what we have in Christ. In, in chapters 4 through 8 of the book of Hebrews, it, there's this uh, illustration of Jesus as the great high priest. He is, the, he is the one who is supreme and over all. He's compared to uh, Melchizedek. He's a, a great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. But he's a high priest who, who can sympathize with our weakness, who has been tempted just like we are, and yet is without sin. So he is the high priest who is perfect and able to make the once-for-all sin sacrifice necessary to atone for all sins because he himself is the sinless one. And so the section of the book that, that we find ourselves in is kind of right in the middle of that. And, and so we understand that, that Jesus is, is superior in all things. He is the one who is uh, the great high priest. And in the midst of that, we see that Jesus equips us to serve him. I, th- I think that it's uh, not only important that we understand that Jesus is superior in all things, but that he, the, the all supreme one, is equipping us to serve him. As, as we try to understand this, this greater meaning of the book of Hebrews, it makes me think, okay, well, what happens in the end? The benediction of a book oftentimes helps to wrap everything up with a neat little bow. And I love the benedictions in, in, in all of Paul's letters. And I should probably note here that, that while the, 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 who the author of the book of Hebrews is, you'll oftentimes re- hear me refer to the author of the book of Hebrews. I personally think it is Paul because there's so many things that equate so well with all the other teachings that Paul has given to other churches in different locations. But, I will, but that we don't know that for certain. So you'll often hear me say the author of the book of Hebrews. But in, in this benediction to this group to this church, we see these, these beautiful words in, in chapter 13 that remind us of the great blessing and the calling that we have from our precious Savior. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may that God equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, the, the great shepherd of the sheep, equips us with everything good, everything that is required of us so that we can accomplish his will. The one who is the great high priest also is, is enabling us to serve him. And it's this context of of this book that helps us to understand the passage. The writer of Hebrews wanted his readers to grasp the basic truths of the faith. Instead of being stuck living in the Old Covenant, 
He wanted them to grasp these things so they can move on in maturity. And, and having an understanding, having a grasp of, of all that Jesus, the great high priest, has accomplished for us and prepared for us is integral to their life and maturing in Christ. So as we begin to now dive into our passage this morning, our next point is that God desires us to be spiritually mature followers of Christ. God, if you are in Christ, God wants you to become a spiritually mature follower of Christ. In this passage of Scripture, the word that's translated as mature means perfect, complete. It means that we're not lacking anything. Just like in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said to the disciples, you, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You must be complete. You must be made pure, not lacking anything. That's the, that's the word that's used for maturity. So at the heart of the understanding of this passage is, is that, the old, that the new covenant is superior to the old, and that because Jesus is the great high priest who understands temptation but never sinned, that he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, because this is the God that we serve, the author wants us to know these things and to move on toward perfectness, maturity, completeness in Christ. That's his desire, is to to move people forwards in their walk with their Savior. But as we read this passage, I, I think you can hear the frustration The author desperately wants the church to know the glory of Christ and his salvation. He wants them to have a a deep understanding of what that means and and to mature in all that he has for them. And so starting in verse 11, he says to them, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. He says, there's a lot that I need to tell you about this. There's a lot that I can say about all of this. But, but let me be honest, it's going to be hard for me to explain this to you. It's going to be hard for you to hear this. Because you are dull of hearing. If you are a parent, a, a teacher, or someone who has tried to, to teach someone, to teach another person a difficult task, you should be able to relate to what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. It can be so frustrating when, when you've worked hard to help someone understand Something that you think is is so easy to get and to grasp, and yet they're having a difficult time with it. They continue to miss the point. And I think that we, ourselves, all can easily fall into that same trap. So I think this passage of Scripture tells us, be warned. We can easily miss the point of what it means to be spiritually mature. I think it's easy for us to get, get confused as what spiritual maturity really looks like. And he tells them that they're missing the point because they are dull of hearing. This is a theme that the author of Hebrews actually picks up two or three different times in his letters to this church. He told them in in chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. He tells them that again in in, in chapter 3, something very similar. And here we have in chapter 5 that they're dull of hearing. You see... He's not saying that they're not intelligent enough or that they're incapable of understanding. Instead, he's saying that they aren't getting it because they're kind of refusing to get it. In fact, there's this inference that, that, the, that they do, in fact, understand it, but, but they're, they're being a little thick-skulled or, or stubborn in their understanding. They're not putting it into practice properly, the things that they do and should and understand. 
The word that we translate dulled carries this, this uh, meaning of no push. Not, there's no moving forward in their hearing. There's no push in their hearing. So, so they're, they're hearing it, but they're not moving forward with it. Their ears are, are being, being lazy, and it's preventing them from maturing in Christ. Too often, I think we equate how much we know with spiritual maturity. Not that there's anything wrong with, with knowing God's Word. We've talked about that several times in this series. But only having knowledge can puff up. And we have to be very careful that, that our knowledge isn't puffing us up and making us think too highly of ourselves. Notice that the expectation is that the knowledge that they have, the knowledge that they've gained, should be used. He tells them, for by this time, you should be teaching this to other people. All this knowledge that you have, you should be applying that and teaching it to other people, but you're not. It's not enough to gain knowledge and not use it. But we also see that it's not enough to gain knowledge and, and stop growing as well. It, yes, we need to be gaining knowledge so that we can be teaching it to others and using it and applying it, but we also need to be gaining knowledge to help us grow in our own walks with Christ. You see, God desires to see steady growth in our lives. If you are in Christ and a child of God, God desires to see steady growth in your life. He wants you to move on to maturity. This passage of Scripture helps us to see that, that there's supposed to be steady growth in our walks with Christ. We're supposed to be constantly progressing. And we, we began this series by talking about that process of sanctification. We're supposed to be moving forward in our faith. We're supposed to be becoming more mature. We're supposed to move on from milk to solid food. Otherwise, we continue to be immature, like a child. Note in verse 3, or verse 1 of chapter 6, that, that we're supposed to leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity. There's always this inference that, that we're supposed to be moving forward in maturity and growing in our lives. That's what God would have for us as his children. And as the author is challenging them with this, he's not being very gentle. He's not pulling any punches. In fact, I think there's a lot of sarcasm in what he's telling them here. He literally is he's like a coach trying to fire up his team and get them motivated to move on and saying you need to stop being a child and move forward. At best, he's giving them a little ribbing. At worst, he's giving them an old-fashioned dressing down. But I think this demonstrates once again just how important this is in our walks with Christ. This issue of maturing in Christ is for all believers. This isn't just a, to be applied to this local church that's being written to. In fact, Paul has a similar exchange with the Corinthian church. They were in the midst of a very difficult conflict. They're talking about speaking in tongues, and they're having some, some conflict in their church. And Paul says almost an identical statement to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20, he tells them this, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. He tells them, yeah, it's, it's completely acceptable for you to be infants when it comes to evil and the things of this world. But for the rest of your thinking, you need to be mature. You need to grow up. You need to stop being a child in your faith. Paul calls for maturity and growth in their life. Paul calls for a desire to see them become 
more perfect and more mature, more complete and lacking nothing in their faith. That's what Paul is calling them for, them to in 1 Corinthians 14. That's what our author in Hebrews is calling for in this church. Leave behind your sin. Mature and progress and grow in your relationship with Christ. And what that looks like is something that we've seen again throughout this series. Knowing truth must lead to living out the truth. Not only should knowing the truth lead us to, to teaching the truth to others. You should be teaching that I know, but you're not. But, but knowing truth also means living it out. Look again at verse 14. It says, but solid food is for the mature. Those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You're so busy drinking milk. And you're not moving forward. You should be enjoying solid food, which is for the, for the mature. And what does that look like? He tells them what that looks like. For those who have their powers of, of discernment trained by constant practice. Again, mature believers don't just know God. They put that into practice in their life. It, it, it looks like growing in, in discernment and being constant practice and constant disciplining of ourselves to distinguish between good and evil. And we need, to, we need to be progressing in our ability to do those things. That's what maturity looks like. Yes, mature believers should be involved in teaching, but they should be involved in discipling and demonstrating discernment in the local church. Mature believers should be the ones that, that are coming along and helping the church grow in all of these areas. And if you're hearing this and you consider yourself a mature believer, you should be asking yourselves, all right, is there, is there a way that I should be Teaching others what I already know? Is there a way that, that I should be moving on toward teaching this to others? Is there a way that I should be, be growing in my personal application of these things in my own life and putting them into practice so that I can be discerning good and evil in my life? The good news is that there's hope. There's hope for the Hebrews and there's hope for us. While the author is very hard on, on that local church, notice in verse 3 of chapter 6, he says, And this we will do if God permits. We have talked about this throughout the entire series as well. Just in case that, that you're, you're feeling discouraged and you think that I can't do this, you can't, but you can in the strength that God provides. And that's why I love those final words of the benediction that he writes to this church. He knows he had to be hard on them, but, but he comes alongside with, with loving kindness in that benediction when he says, Now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, may that God equip you with everything good that you may do his will. You can do this in the strength that he provides. Because he'll be working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. All the work that needs to happen is empowered by Jesus Christ being at work in you. That's part of what we sang about it, and all I have is Christ. Because of Jesus being at work in us, there is always hope. Even if we're dull of hearing. Even if we're a little slow moving on as we should be. Even if we're struggling in this area of, of growing, mature, growing in maturity and becoming complete. There's hope because of what Christ has done for us. Even when we're not moving on to solid food and we're, we're dwelling on milk and not progressing, there's hope because of the cross of Calvary. So to, to move on in these things, our next point is that we must all evaluate whether we're growing in our walks with Christ. 
I, I think this passage of Scripture lays out for us that the, there is this steady growth process, and it should be a reminder for us to be regularly evaluating our walks with Christ, to be evaluating whether we are truly maturing and growing and, and doing those things that we're called to do. You see, it's all too easy for us to coast when it comes to our faith. I think most of us have heard it before, but it bears repeating. There's no such thing as neutral when it comes to our walks with Christ. I think that many people like to think our our walks with Christ are like a a drive down a winding road, right? Yeah, there's obstacles, and we drive around those things, and we have to miss those things. And while that's not necessarily a bad analogy, I think it fails to take into account that we live in a world that is in direct opposition to our faith. We live in a world that, that, that is set up in complete opposition to the gospel, into our faith in every way, way, shape, and form. And so we need to understand that that long winding road is up the side of a mountain because it's difficult and the world is opposed to it. And so as soon as we take our, our foot off the pedal, we're going to start slowing down and eventually stop and eventually start coasting backwards. You see, it's easy to grow dull of hearing in our culture. There's all sorts of things around us screaming for our attention. And we have to focus on God's Word. We have to focus on what it is really that God has called us to do. Because that's what maturity looks like. But if we're dull of hearing, we're not going to be moving forward. We're not going to be pushed on by the things that we hear. And so it, in essence, creates a spiritual laziness when, when we're hearing but not moving forward. But we have to realize, when we're being spiritually lazy, there are consequences. We, we don't simply get to put it in neutral and coast because that world will try as best as it can to swallow up our faith. See, in this passage of Scripture, there's this assumption that those who are in Christ will be progressing in their faith. So we should be asking ourselves, is that what I am doing? There's an assumption that they will be moving from milk to solid food. There's this assumption that they will no longer be children. There's this assumption that it's time for them to grow up. But hidden in here, there's a little gem, I believe, for the local church. And that's this, that God can use you in the life of a brother or sister in Christ. I purposely skipped a phrase hidden in the middle of verse 12 earlier. It says, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You see, that's what the local body is supposed to do. There's supposed to be people that come alongside and, and help to teach us once again when we're struggling about the oracles of God. How much better would it have been for this group of people being addressed in this letter if one of them would have stepped up and confronted the behavior that was taking place? How much better would it have been for, for the people that they lived life with, the people that they worked with, the people that they worshipped with regularly, if someone would have confronted them and taught them again the basic principles of the oracles of God, to have come alongside them and said, hey, I don't think you're really getting this. I don't think you're fully understanding what God's word has called us to. I don't think you fully understand the gospel and what, and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It would have been so much better for them. But instead, they have to get this harsh tone of the letter written to them because someone needs to teach them again the basics you see too often in our own lives i think we we look around at our world and we say you know what man someone really needs to reach out to so and so oh man 
she is really struggling and someone needs to come alongside her. Oh man, that couple just seems to not be growing in their faith. Someone needs to help them out. Man, somebody needs to do something to share the gospel with them. If you are in Christ, you are someone. God could be wanting to cause you to be that person that, that, that brings them back. You could be the someone to teach them again the basics of the oracles of God. You can be the one that reminds them about who Christ is and what He's done for them. And it all comes back to that, the gospel message, who Christ is and what He has done for them. Because while we move on and grow, we never move past the gospel. The basics of the gospel are vital. They're, the, they're of utmost importance. They are the foundation on which our growing Christian faith is built. Without that solid foundation, there can't be any moving forward. If you don't have a solid foundation, you're going to be dull of hearing, and you're going to be stuck in neutral. And I believe that this is a call for, for these ones who are not maturing to evaluate their relationship with Christ. You see, that's why I started this morning with the overarching theme of Hebrews, the supremacy of the new covenant over the old, and the supremacy of Christ in all of those things. Because these are most likely people that, that grew up under that old covenant, learning the laws and, and learning the rituals and learning of the sacrifices. Those are the basic oracles of God that they knew. They knew those things and, and they've probably known them since they were children. But they've not moved on because they don't truly understand the gospel. They can't move on to solid food because they don't know Christ. They likely grew up being in the faith, but they've just assumed that they're spiritually okay. And they're being challenged here that obviously they're probably not okay. Somehow the teaching that they grew up with that, that pointed to the coming Messiah, and now that they have the new covenant and they have the supremacy of Christ and they understand that, that He is the one who was promised and, and who died on the cross for the forgiveness of their sins that he was the propitiation for all of their sins. They, they somehow may have heard that, but missed it. And so the author is getting them to evaluate. Are you dull of hearing? Did you miss this? Again, I love seeing themes all throughout Scripture where, where these things work together. And, and in the book of Colossians, Paul says something very similar to the Colossians. When he's explaining to them why he uh, is, is an apostle to the Gentiles and, and what that calling means for him, he says in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 25b, I'm a, I'm a, I am an apostle to the Gentiles to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There's that maturity. Present everyone mature, complete, perfect, lacking nothing in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. We don't have to spend a ton of time looking at that. Tim did a great job uh, expounding that passage to us. It's so beautiful. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
in, in that, that we have the mystery of the gospel, the, the thing that was, was difficult for them to understand that we're in the old covenant, but now the new covenant, it explains all of that to them. The mystery of the gospel, which was hidden for ages. And yet, we now can teach this to others. We can proclaim this so that they will become mature in Christ. That's why I'm toiling and struggling in the strength that he provides. The mystery of the gospel had been revealed to these men and women, yet some of them were missing it. How about you? How are you? You see, I know that there are a lot of us that maybe have grown up in the church, heard all the basic oracles of God, and yet stuck and still needing milk. Can't move on to solid food because you don't know Christ. You know all the truths about Christ. You know all the things that Jesus did, but you don't know Christ. You have no relationship with Him. And it's true that there are a lot of people in this church that would love to come alongside you to help you to understand what that means. That's what God has called the local body to do. And it's our hope that we have the opportunity to do that with one another. Not to try to make people feel bad that they were dull of hearing and they weren't understanding it. You see, that's how the gospel works. Sometimes we can spend our whole life hearing the good news about Christ, but not know him. And then it all changes. The Holy Spirit can help us to illuminate the scripture in our life. We truly understand the gospel and we truly have a relationship and we're then in Christ. Man, that's, that's what we would love to help you do. If you, if you grew up with knowing all those oracles of God, but don't truly know Christ, we would love the opportunity to share that with you. But for those of us that do know Christ, we should be asking ourselves, do we have the same desire that Paul shared with the Hebrews and with the Colossians? Do we have that kind of a desire to make the mystery of gospel fully known to those who are currently on the outside looking in? Are we willing to, to be that person who comes along and, and helps those who are struggling? Are we willing to take all of the things that, that God has showed us, the things that we know, and to then now be teaching them to others and to be helping them to apply that? Are we willing to take all those things that we know and, and, and be, uh, be, be growing in discernment in our own lives and, and, and being disciplined in our walks with Christ, practicing constantly to distinguish good from evil? You see, because that's the, the secondary meaning of this passage, I think, is that, that for those of us who do know Christ, I think it's a warning, though, to those who think that they know Christ, but truly don't. But either way, God has called us into a relationship with Jesus, and he wants us to be maturing in our faith. Maybe there are some here this morning that really want to put their faith in the action. There are people that maybe are, are, are challenged by this. And the good news is that we have great ministries that are going to be opening up. And there's an opportunity for you to take those next steps. You see, it doesn't matter how dull of hearing we've been in the past. It doesn't matter how resistant we have been from moving on from milk to solid food in the past. In Christ, there's hope. And we have the opportunity to now move on and to grow because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And so my hope is that, that for all of us who are, who are gathered here this morning, the temptation is to, 
hear a sermon, to, to study a passage of Scripture, and, and to think, oh man, that was good for someone to hear. We are that someone. And as we mature, we should be growing into being made more perfect in that image of Christ. So that this world that we live in that is so hostile to our faith, that is so opposed to all that we stand for in Christ. The more that we grow into that image of Jesus, the world is going to reject us. And so it's important that, that we move on to the solid meat of the faith so that we're ready. Because the temptation is for us to be dull of hearing and not maturing in our faith. But we belong to Christ. And so, we pursue Him. We grow in Him. We mature in Him and become more like Him. And verse 3 of chapter 6 tells us, and this we will do if God permits. We must be praying that God will allow us to have fruitful ministry in the lives of others. Because he loves us and has called us and equipped us to serve him. So let's serve our king. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this local body of believers and for so many who are mature in the faith and who have spent their lives not just ingesting your word, but sharing your word with others. Thank you for so many who have blessed even me as they have shared. But Father, I pray as well that we know from this passage of Scripture that there are many who feel like they are in the faith because they grew up hearing about the basic oracles of God and yet are far from you because they don't know Christ. Lord, I pray that you would call those into repentance and into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that you would raise up men and women to come alongside of them, to encourage them, to show them their need. And Father, for those of us who do know Jesus, may we constantly be evaluating, looking for ways that we can be involved in, in this local body and in your great cause to make your name proclaimed as glorious here in our local community and to the ends of the earth. For you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.